WBNE. Howdy, Yokes. Before we get started today, we just want to let you know that this episode of Bacon and Eggs is brought to you by our Tee Public store. Now, what you can do is go to the link in the description of this episode, and if you want new merchandise that shows your love for Bacon and Eggs and the podcast and everything Bacon and Eggs, uh, there's a whole bunch of really cool merchandise there. You can get t-shirts, hoodies, onesies, kids' shirts. You can get mugs. You can get laptop cases. You can get all sorts of cool stuff, and it's all on our Tee Public store, and and I, I think I think it's pretty special, and you should check it out. And it helps us, you know, keep the lights on here. If you're watching me on video, you can see that most lights are off right now. So we could really use your help. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for checking out the store, and thank you even more for listening. Howdy, yokes, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Tyler Carlin, and I'm Ethan Chill. And today we're on trial. Or maybe we're just gift backs. So don't incite a riot. And get charged with contempt of court. Because today we're bringing you... The Trial of the Chicago 7. Linda's Cab was directed oh, by on, on, Aaron that. Sorkin. Yeah, here we go. Directed by Aaron Sorkin. My awful handwriting. I don't know Aaron why Sorkin I'm this. Came out on September 25th, 2020, which is 2,850 days ago. $35 million budget made $107,000. Oh, no, $107 nope, million worldwide. $107,000 worldwide, which is $0 as far as I'm concerned. That's no money. Uh, but it had a 90% critic rating and a 91% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 77 on Metacritic. Uh, Ethan, do you have a negative professional review for this film? I do have a negative professional critic review for this movie. I have a review from Armand White of wherever Armand White writes for. Hang on. Didn't get that. Armand White of the National Review says... Whether dealing with bureaucrats or student zealots, this film has a perspective on social turmoil that falls short of the insightful panorama in the French AIDS activism era Black Panther movement. Sorkin's right side of history saga is the bent history. Ooh, that is kind of brutal. I feel like I can understand where he's coming from. I mean, like, I don't agree with it, but I like I can see where somebody would be like, yeah, I agree with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I can I can definitely see um, where, let's say, a, a black person would not love this movie as much as we did. Yeah, I can totally see that. I have a review from from. Kathia Woods from Cup of Soul, which is a, a publication I've never read before. Uh, and she says, The trial of the Chicago 7 takes place in 1969. However, the film's events feel very 2020. The backdrop is a country at war, young people fighting against the establishment, and black people fighting racism and police brutality. So that's actually really just a, a, a synopsis. Yeah, so... More than a review. <laughs> it is indeed a synopsis. Um, this is a, a one on the binary. Uh, you, gotta, you gotta watch this movie. Um, you have to watch this both from a stance of like this is a great movie about political turmoil in the vietnam era and also that this movie absolutely slaps yeah uh, straight up slaps like uh, i really really thoroughly enjoyed this i did not know did you know this story going into it had you heard of the chicago seven i had not heard of them by that name um i had heard of the chicago riots from this year um both from my dad and from my girlfriend's parents. My girlfriend's parents being from Chicago and lear learning about this stuff afterward, but still like knowing who Richard Daly was. And I also didn't know any from of my them. dad from like living through this. Right. And like your dad was Woodstock. 
Yeah, so my dad would have been a freshman in college about 30 miles from Woodstock when this came out. Or when this happened. Dang. Yeah. Um, he, he, I know who Abby Hoffman is because of him. We have a copy of, of, of Abby steal Hoffman's Steal This Book somewhere. And I was encouraged from a young age to, if I ever saw another copy, steal it. I So I uh, very nearly purchased a copy as soon as this was over. But I, I want to do some digging and see if I can find a, a cover that I really like. Well, uh, I mean, you're really stealable one. Yeah, I was going to say you're supposed to go to the bookstore and just yoink it. No, I wouldn't. I'm still going to buy it. I mean... <laughs> You might. <laughs> I would steal this from I Barnes and Noble. I uh uh-uh, uh 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 nope. I am horrified of stealing things. They'd be like, "Did you take this?" I'd be like, "Yep." And they'd be like, "Why?" And I'd be like, "I don't know." They're like, "Okay, you're going to jail now." And I'd be like, "Okay." So yeah, my dad was a little bit young for the for the full on like yippy movement, but uh, I knew who Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin were. Um, I can I can remember. Uh, well, so let's before we get into like our personal take with this one. No, wait, before we get into the movie, let's get our personal take on this one. Tyler, zero out of 100 for the trial of the Chicago 7. Now, I didn't I didn't watch the first six. I hope that doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched the sequel last year. Uh, yeah, we watched Big Hero 6. Um, and then I, I, I did watch the trial of the Richmond 8. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I thought I was just trying to make a joke. <laughs> As I was going to say, I've seen I've seen most of them. I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, uh, Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul, um, The Fantastic Four, Fast Five, Big Hero Six, and then The Trial of Chicago Seven. Yeah, uh, zero out of one hundred. Yeah, this is up there. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go for a ninety-six. I was going to go ninety-seven. Really? Yeah. This this misses on two points for me uh from being a hundred and they're both like one of them is a storytelling perspective and one is just the like unfortunateness of history perspective um what the part where they bound and gag a black dude no not that 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 does i not, didn't love that I, well okay <laughs> but it doesn't take like that's part of the movie that's part of what makes the movie that's part of the story yeah, it's part yeah. of the story it's part of the fact that they actually depicted that on screen yeah. is part of what makes this movie good and brutal it's the fact that after that he just kind of disappears completely from the narrative who bobby seal oh yeah and like i know that he dismissed him and that's what i'm saying it's like the the history is not lining up with the way a movie works there and that's fine like i'm glad that bobby seal was not uh continue to be tried by that judge that dude sucked, that dude sucked worse than any judge has ever sucked especially in film and i like how they portrayed him as like yes this dude sucks but in in a way that you can understand how he's still a judge like, I feel like a lot of times when they show you, you know, slave era stuff, it's just like absolute brutal. These are less than human attacks on folks. But what makes this judge so bad and like that was real and terrible. Let me make that clear. Yeah. But what makes this judge so bad is that like, not that I can see where he's coming from, but I can see this person existing. Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like oh. I can see these sort of microaggressions and these sort of dismissive comments being real. He he assumes the sale so much with his racism. Well, with his racism and with his just his prejudice towards these people in general. Right. Anyway, there's a great line that gets kind of overlooked in the montage or not the montage, but like the scene where they are putting Tom up against the tape of where he says the thing, the, 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 like our blood in the streets thing. Uh, uh-huh. and he, he, he says something about like, they came at us with, you know, uh, riot shields and whatever. And, and the lawyers like, you know, those are members of the Illinois state guard or national guard. Those are, uh, those are the good guys. And Tom says something else and then turns back and goes, wait, when did I stop being the good guy? And that's like, so true for the judge because Tom never got the opportunity to be the good guy, right? Like he, they were never innocent. Right, like this was pre ACAB, right? Like the the system was still fully on the side of, and and not to say it's di- any different today, but like there was no wokeness about it. The system was fully on the side of the police. 
what I don't understand then and now, and, and I want to avoid making this a, a highly political commentary on our part. I think it's hard to avoid. Um, what I don't understand is where the right to protest breaks. And it happened then and it happened last year. And I understand that like when windows are getting smashed in and, and fires are burning like that, I understand. But like there is no right Tina, to protest in America. Well, it is protected in the First Amendment and it is ignored in the First Amendment. There has not and will not ever, unless we change something significant, be the right to protest. The protests right. that are deemed to be correct are just simply ignored. Yeah, they're, they're parades. It's the same with petition, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit less black and white. How many, how many signatures, like, they say we have the rights petition, but like, how many signatures would I need on something? No idea what the word petition hit? means as the, the, the listeners of the, con- the writers of the constitution were thinking of it. Um, no idea what petition means. Like, like, I don't think they're talking about, we have the right to sign a petition and somebody has to do something about it. Cause I don't think that's ever been the case, but no, yeah, I, I think that's as correct. far as protest goes. Yeah. There, if you are speaking out against the, uh, the government, establishment. the establishment, yeah. there has never been a right to protest. Um, well, and that's, that's, I think there's such an important line in this movie about like, if Lincoln were in Chicago with us, that he would be on trial too. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent true. hundred percent. hundred percent true. Yeah. yeah. And they were standing in, in a park named for him. Yeah. Um, anyway, so so this movie was made prior to the events of um can you believe that yeah it's it's insane uh it was made it was filmed in, in the end of 2019 and it was in post-production in june in may and june of 2020 and aaron sorkin has said sure. that he was in the edit bay watching the news lining clips up really yeah he has straight up said that like yeah i was i was pulling news clips and making sure that when people finally saw this movie that it looked familiar to them well and and one thing aaron sorkin made the decision of that i thought was was bold was the gore in the protest scenes yeah that was that first scene is tough to watch man it's the only time in the whole movie where you're like oh like, yeah when they like, yeah when, it, it is, when they like, start running they, up that they, hill when, yeah and they and somebody gets smacked by a by a baseball bat yeah. and just bleed like you really get a and I, I i fear that people will be like oh this is sort of played up for hollywood i didn't feel played up no to it's because like, it's, watched... it's interspersed with cuts of the real thing happening right and like i when i think about police i think about the chicago police and their blue helmets from this event and this this time period i didn't know this happened so I don't. Well, so this was not the only uh, Chicago riot following immediately following the death of Martin Luther King Jr. and Bobby Kennedy. Um, this was not this singular event. It was neither the first nor the last. I didn't know that anything ever happened in Chicago because, and this is why, because American schools don't teach a history of protest. No, absolutely not. They, they do teach not. civil rights movement, but that's it. Right, and 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 in nineteen and and the, and the Boston Tea in nineteen sixty five, Martin Luther King had a dream. And then racism was ended. Right. And then it was over. Um, and this movie, this movie includes it and kind of glances over the assassination of Fred Hampton directly at the hands of the FBI. And you should go watch, you should do your research on that event and then go watch Judas and the Black Messiah, which is a, a movie about the assassination of Fred Hampton directly that also came out at the same time. Um, so uh, who's, who's the lead? It's the dude from, uh, the guy from Get, Get out, out. Yeah. Playing Fred Hampton. Playing yeah. Fred Hampton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fantastic movie. Uh, heartbreaking. Very, very heavy. Very hard to watch. Um, this was hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I, I do. I mean, think... it made me laugh in moments, and and I loved the like stand up bits and whatnot. But like, there were definitely moments where I was like tearing up watching this. It gets me right at the end for sure. Uh, when when he stands up and starts reading the names, gets me every yeah. time. Um, and I think 
what's interesting to me is how the police response in these particular riots was obviously terrible, but does not seem as bad as it was in 2020. Uh, in a lot of ways, it was just as bad, if not worse. I mean, like those crowd scenes in the park, obviously bad, but like cops weren't firing rubber bullets into crowds. And, and I guess they were tear gassing, but uh, they were firing rubber bullets into the crowds. The, in this, they the were? rubber bullets, I believe, were invented as like a tactic to stop Vietnam protests. I did think it was interesting. This is something that I found being on on the side of the protesters in in 2020 uh that like the leadership was always like we are here to protest the vietnam war right that is what we are here for and then it quickly devolved into we are here to protest the chicago police because the chicago police made it about them yeah so so the the true facts true facts about the Chameleon, true facts about the Chicago riots uh R- Chicago mayor Richard Day Daly uh possibly the worst politician in American history like up there with like Andrew Jackson and Donald Trump like dude was Ugh. a true true to life scumbag who just like let the mob rule, rule everything it just was was a total like co- they, sh- Chicago city known for its political corruption more so than any other American city and it is the the wind is mostly city. this dude uh, Richard J. Daly, who was mayor, Chicago mayor for like 25 years or something. Um, and uh, yeah, he was the guy, you, you know, they talked it in the movie about the Daily Dozers, which were the the Jeeps that they fitted the piano wire to and just like, oh, I hated ran that. into crowds of people like, oh, I hated that so much. Um, the, 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 the police in a lot of cities were definitely looking at Chicago in 1967 through 1971 as like a manual for how to violently break up nonviolent protests. Um but I, what it drives me crazy about the way America handles nonviolent protest is they just egg them on until it becomes a violent protest. Like, like they prey on the mob mentality. Yeah. And it's infuriating. Yeah. There's never been a riot in America that wasn't started by the police. Never, not once. There was that one in, in Minneapolis where uh, a Republican threw something through a window and then there yeah. was riots. There, I mean, there was there was live footage from Minneapolis of, of reporters, journalists getting tear gassed. Insane. Getting arrested. You think there'd be some protection. Yeah. And uh, so. It's weird that we think journalists deserve the protection, though, right? Like, that's weird. Everyone deserves protection from the police. No, but I think that that's what was so jarring about 2020 is that, like, it wasn't just the rioters that were not getting protection. It was not just the protesters. It was... It was nobody. It was nobody. Right. Like, yes, the the, the freedom to... Pro- <laughs> The thing about journalists is that, like, at that point, you're infringing all of the First Amendment rights, not not just right. freedom of speech, not just freedom to protest, but also like freedom of the press and right. all this other stuff. That being said, I didn't necessarily bring this movie into the Bacon and Eggs conversation to talk about it um, as a political thing, uh, but it's it's unavoidable, right? Like, I, I definitely don't think that we have the most nuanced take on the Vietnam War. I have to look at myself uh, because I can remember being, you know... A, <sighs> your typical 18 year old and asking my dad about like why did he why was he a member of people protesting the vietnam war like why was he so against going to vietnam and 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 me coming back with this whole like you know i know everything mentality of like well if your country calls you to serve you should serve and i I look at myself now and i'm like my dad had a lot of patience with me that i did not deserve oh and i don't think i could have with my kids (laughs) no not (laughs) although i think i think truthfully if my kids were like i would have I don't want to say a hard time. I, w- I would support my kids in whatever endeavor they want. Um, but I would definitely have a hard time sending my children to war. Oh, I think yeah. that's a fair yeah. thing for a parent to say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, yeah, my dad was fully against going to Vietnam. He like skipped a year of college or skipped a year of high school so he could go to college early to avoid mm. being drafted. Yeah, and I, I just think Vietnam is is this big piece of American history that more or less 
is so recent to like our birth and like the lives of our parents. Yeah. Literally, we know nothing about. Like, I very much worry that my kids are going to be like, was 9-11 really that big of a deal? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was huge. Vietnam War ended uh, approximately 18 years before we were born. We yeah, are now so 27 like and 28 years old. I'll be 28 in a month or in the, by the end of the month. Yeah, two weeks. A little bit over, yeah. But happy birthday. Hey, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I, I guess actually I don't know when this is airing. Ostensibly next oh, Thursday. God. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so like we are we are much further removed from the Vietnam War from our from, we're further removed from our own births than our births were from the Vietnam War. Yes. Um, but like Vietnam was so big. But they, they, just, they do their best not to teach us anything about it in uh, in school. No. Yeah. 1950 to 1990 never happened for sure yeah and because you watch movies like forrest gump right and they show you movies like forrest gump in school and like forrest sure yeah like he loses bubba and that sucks but like that's the worst thing that happened to him he doesn't have to like kill a child right. uh and then you watch movies like platoon or full metal jacket or you know any of the vietnam war movies and you you find them jarring and disgusting because you're like there's no way this isn't what i learned in my good american high school this isn't how it went down the vietnamese wanted us here we were protecting them we were helping we were helping yeah no 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 we weren't we had no business being there uh, <laughs> at all and it's not something I should be laughing about, but uh, yeah, Vietnam is something I don't know. Korea, nothing. I got nothing. I know a little bit about Korea because my grandfather served in Korea. Like, and he came. Even as I sit here thinking about it, I don't know. The Korean War, yeah, I would say it definitely is the one that is more overlooked than than anything else. A lot of people don't even know when it was. I, I don't. But like, like, I remember being a kid and growing up and being like, why don't we just not have an issue with Korea and Russia anymore? Like, why do we continue to hold those grudges? Aren't the people who had issues with each other out of office now? Well, and I think that's what's so interesting about, like, about Russia specifically, right? Because, like, how often do you see... I see it on my TikTok all the time where I see, like, jokes about the Soviet Union constantly from, like, millennials and stuff that grew up with parents that hated Russia and are now making jokes about being, like, Soviet-era communists. I see it pretty regularly. Probably not as much as you, though. Like, I I get... I have this one dude that's, that will not leave my TikTok feed where he just, like, creates... He draws Pokemon if they were Soviets. <laughs> And it is just like this whole thing that like our parents tried to get us to hate Russia so badly and hate like socialism and communism so badly. And like, yeah, the Soviet Union was a horrible place. Russia still, for the most part, is a horrible place run by horrible people. Um, we have no room to talk. <laughs> That's the real difference is that like, is it like, yeah, these other places have huge problems, but like, so does America. But like as a kid, the, the amount of hate for the office of America's leadership definitely shifted when I got the right to vote. Now, I don't know if this had anything to do with my right to vote. Like, as a kid, I could pretty easily get behind, like, okay, we don't like George Bush, he sucks, but there's a certain level of, well, 9-11 just happened, so America the United. Right, a certain like, level of, like, respect for the office and whatever. Right, like, like it didn't matter if you were a Democrat or Republican. If you got invited to the president's office, that was a pretty well, freaking cool thing. Well, and that's cool the thing, thing, is, like... Because then they then they elected Barack Obama, right? And that didn't sit well with a lot of people because he was a black man or because he was a Democrat or because he was a black Democrat or because people believed he was African or believed that he was an alien or whatever. Right. Or a Muslim or whatever else. And so, yeah, George Bush is the last president that will ever be respected, I think, for a long time. And I don't know that that's a good or bad thing, honestly. I think yeah, prior I, I think to Barack Obama, the office of the president of the United States was a little bit over-revered and not held well, accountable for literally anything. I think if I was a college athlete, which I would have 
been i mean not a college athlete but like if i got invited to 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 meet the president and it was barack obama i think i would have been pretty jazzed despite the fact that at the time i would have said that i he think was that's a, a all it would have taken me to politician. become a lifelong Democrat. Democrat is to have been like that's how that's how back in those days that's how wishy washy everything was. Is like oh I, I used yeah. to sit there and be like I don't believe I don't drive with Barack Obama on policy yeah well, and like I still just, don't love the I still don't love the ACA uh, because I watched it hurt a lot of people now I don't think it's uh, worse than what we had I don't think it's perfect um, I did watch it hurt a lot of people during the times uh, during the, the the times of the ACA because I used to sell health insurance and sucked um, but a lot of people are insured that weren't used to be insured. So that's a, that's a, but the, but the policy argument is out the window now, right? Like you, <laughs> you can't sit there and be like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't, I vote on policy. It's like, that's just, which policy? yeah, which po- <laughs> like, like, okay. So you, you're a, you're a fiscal conservative, but, but you <laughs> can't, you're mean? so, you're so pressed about government spending money that you vote for Donald Trump. That you're just as bad, dude. Like not right. you, obviously you, you, probably not you, the listener either, but. Yeah, if you're listening to this show, I can't imagine. <laughs> I mean, we keep it. Although we're not a super politically charged show, we do have some negative reviews saying that we got a little political one time, and I have no idea when that was. Uh, That's fine. Uh, we get a little political every now and then. That's not most of our episodes. Um, I would say like, uh, the, the, the politics that we drop on this show, more than anything, if I'm thinking political, is if there is policy that influences your ability to love someone, regardless right. of... You, of <laughs> not your ability to love someone... <laughs> Your simple ability to continue to breathe. Right. Um, yeah, I. Uh, we have a lot of LGBTQ listeners, and we have a lot of uh, listeners of color, and I will continue to stand for the fact that those people deserve to exist and be happy. And live and marry and be happy. And do and everything that normal people... Normal people makes it sound a little weird. That's not what I, I was trying to say. Going for. I was trying to say, like, that... that, that, that People who are defined as as part of the 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 main the status the part quo. of the status quo the people that don't, that don't have their rights infringed every fucking day okay like right. my rights are not infringed every fucking day my rights are never infringed I feel like my I, right- I feel like my rights are infringed every now and then when I have to uh, have get permission to go to a therapist or nobody will pay for it my insurance that I pay for won't let me go to a therapist unless somebody tells me I'm supposed to yeah that's bad insurance I can just call a therapist uh yeah I can't um because I have the Affordable Care Act insurance ah. because I I don't work for a company um yeah bacon and eggs does not have group insurance no sorry no. <laughs> Um, Go to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs. Uh, we don't even meet the minimum. Even with wb e we don't meet the minimum qualification for group insurance. If you if you go to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs and pledge $10,000 a month, maybe we can get health anyway, insurance. Anyway, my PCP is cool. It just means I have to go to a doctor's office and be like, hey, doc, I'm sad. I need to go to a- and I shouldn't have yeah. to tell anybody other than a therapist that I'm not doing so hot mentally. He says to thousands of people on the internet. I mean, hey, man. I've had a pretty rough 2021, <laughs> believe it or not. I do believe it, and and I feel for um, you. Uh, your rough 2021 makes me want to see a therapist. Everyone should see a therapist. Everyone I'm should a see a therapist. Yeah. Um, That's my new podcast. Everyone, everyone should, see, should a see a therapist. Every week I just hop on. It's a 30-second episode, and I say... Hey, you're valid for taking your pills. And hey, you're valid. Bacon and eggs would like yeah. you to continue to be valid. And we would like to continue to hold the political beliefs that allow you to be valid and to be loved. 
Anyway, uh, the Trial of the Chicago 7 is an absolute masterpiece of the filmmaking art, and I will not disagree. I will not hear disagreements on that. The opening five minutes of this movie is some of the best filmmaking I've ever seen. Where they're introducing the characters? Where they're introducing the characters, and they keep handing the conversation off yeah. in, in the, like, the like everybody finishes the other person's sentence, but not in the way that you would think. Yeah. Yeah. When, when David Delger is like, okay, so if they, if they get, you know, whatever with us, what do we do? We politely and peacefully ask them to, them motherfuckers. <laughs> and it just oh, like switches man. back and forth. So who's getting the Oscar here? Sasha Baron Cohen or Eddie Redmayne? Um, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, Best Supporting Actor gets the nomination. You don't think Eddie Redmayne? I think they would pull, I think they would put Eddie Redmayne in as best actor and he will not get it no i yeah i, don't I think, think they will list him as best actor. actor and he will not get it. i don't think there's a best actor in this movie this is a mark true rylance ensemble cast yeah mark rylance is the one of the most slept on actors ever that dude slaughtered the role as william kunstler yes absolutely did uh fantastic his one there's one piece of, of really corny acting from him at one where he he just he shouts something in the courtroom and it's like an awkward cut to him and it's like an awkward delivery and that's the only thing that I would I would complain about with his performance. I don't even remember what he said at that point, but is there any this dude's what'd you say? I was gonna say this dude's been in a lot of really good movies. And Mark Rylance is only in good movies, pretty much. He is like the the forgotten role in in all of the good movies. You know, you know who I liked in this movie? There's, there's a really interesting dynamic in Joseph Gordon-Levitt being the lawyer who should be the judge. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a fascinating character. And I don't know how they wrote it. Um, I don't know, you know, why why it ended up that way. But, like, you've got this really interesting thing of, like, he could have represented either side. Right. He's a, he's a lawyer. Case. Like, he... He's... he's but he's a truly impartial lawyer, saying, yeah. which is so rare in this cast where clearly Mark Rylance is team protesters. Yeah. 110%. Well, I mean, you, don't, like, you don't take that case unless you agree, right? Right. And he wants to get them and all then, off, including including Bobby, who uses a different lawyer. He doesn't care. William Kunstler doesn't care. He wants the best for everybody on that side of the bench, no matter what. Right. But Julius Hoffman is very clearly representing the United States, which is a little ridiculous like, I understand this is why we have the jury, but, like, the fact that a U.S. government employee gets to preside the over cases... that a judge gets to speak ever in the courtroom is absurd. Other than, like, what? Other than what to, like, to, 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 keep, to keep order, right? To keep order, yeah. That the judge gets to, that the judge gets to uh, overrule objections, and, right? That the judge gets to, like, to ever speak to the jury. That the judge gets to strike things from the record. Striking things from the record, that's, un that's that unacceptable. That the judge gets to decide whether or not a witness is heard. So that's what I think is a little bit of conjecture here in this whole movie, is a little bit of, little bit of wishy-washy, is, like, and I don't know. I, I don't know the story. But I think that if you are inventing this, if you're adding some details to the story to strengthen the case of the protesters, you put in Michael Keaton saying that uh, they had already done an investigation on trial, but don't let the jury hear it. Because that, to me, strikes me as like, uh, no one else was in the room where it happened. What could have been the best possible defense that I could write into this right. scenario? And I don't know whether or not that happened. I mean, I'm sure that it is pretty like researchable as to whether or not Ramsey Clark's office made this inquiry and this recommendation. Uh, and it's probably pretty easy to find out whether or not Ramsey Clark did testify. But it also I mean, feels that he did testify. It feels that yeah, I feel like he probably testified before the jury. No, I think that the I think he testified not before the jury. So you think it's true what they put in the movie? I think that there is this moment in the trial that is lost to history of 
Ramsey Clark enters and then the jury leaves and then we have 10 minutes of Aaron Sorkin being like, this is probably what happened. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair. This is a big cast uh, for this movie to the point where like a lot of people put in performances that for whatever reason are going to be overlooked. And I think the number one of those is, who is it? Frank Langella that plays Julius Hoffman. Because you got to remember that that is a dude acting. Oh, he's killing it. As hateable as he is, like he's doing an extremely good job of being horrible. Yeah. And Frank Langella has been around, I mean, forever. Like, he's another one of those guys that's just been in uh, in a lot of stuff. This is a great cast. Yeah, I truly think, though, yeah, you give the... I know the Golden Globes did give the nom- the, the Best Supporting Actor nomination to Sasha Baron Cohen. A lot of times, the Golden Globes of the Oscars can be completely different films. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So... Um, I don't I don't truly think anybody from this will get an acting nomination. If it, do- if the- it is, it- I think it will be Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen and Eddie Redmayne put in performances here. Like, when Eddie Redmayne first spoke and it was straight up american yeah i was like whoa yeah sasha baron cohen's accent loses me a couple times yeah for sure he but definitely like, has that's he has trouble with that brooklynese uh but i think that's sort of the abby hoffman ways that he's got trouble with the brooklynese like that that kept me in character yeah no i, I i'm not complaining at all I, I, using him using him as the greek chorus where they they cut back to him doing the stand-up and telling the story that's incredible that's incredible filmmaking that's incredible writing that is god-tier filmmaking i think it's really yeah because it shows us what aaron sorkin is doing is he's educating the audience that like you'll hear this story from a variety of different sources and i want you to forget that i'm one of them right and and it, it does a really good job of then like like everybody's got their different pieces of the story but the one detail that everybody is clear on is is when they it, it cuts back and forth to to five different people saying someone in the crowd said someone in the crowd shouted someone in the crowd shouted you, know, you get five people saying that and then you cut to the scene of the guy going take the hill or whatever yeah and so like we are a hundred percent clear on what happened there as a sidebar if you gave me a thousand years to write a thousand novels, I would write maybe 500. Uh, Rennie Davis is a name I couldn't come up with ever. Nope. What a great name. They're all great names. Tom Hayden, Rennie Davis, Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, David Dellinger. Yeah. Bobby Seale, William Kunstler. I couldn't come up with these names if you gave me a million dollars. Especially when it comes down to, like, the the judge mislabeling everybody constantly. Oh, my God. It's infuriating. Forgetting which jury or which lawyer is which. Oh, so good. I mean, it's like, it is, you know, we, we talked about it uh, uh, last week, where it's the, it's the Order of the Phoenix thing, right? Where you're just uncomfortable the whole time. Like, the movie is making you irritated watching this. You're just sitting there like, you dumb idiot. Can you get anything right, judge? I just feel like if the judge is saying people's names wrong, like, that, like... This uh, this is an interesting commentary on the judicial system, which I think is re- remains revered as like the most holy of like the Supreme Court. I think is pretty easy to pick out. Like you were appointed by a Republican and you a Democrat. But right. I think generally when we think of circuit courts and in federal courts outside of the Supreme Court, you think these judges are impartial. And Sorgan is making an excellent commentary of like. No, they're not. I don't think anybody thinks that anymore. I would have thought that up until 2020. Yeah, Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying really ruined the entire court system top to bottom. Yeah. For almost everybody. Yeah. The uh the yeah, the argument that we shouldn't have load-bearing 87-year-olds in our judicial system is is definitely a, a heavy one. I mean, who should you have in your judicial system? Cuz the only answer is robots and that's the wrong answer. Yeah, well, I just think that we need to revisit the way that uh court is handled because the judge shouldn't have any power. Right. At all, like... <laughs> but do you think a jury should be called in for every trial? I mean, it's impossible to gather a jury. Yeah, I do think a jury should be called in for every trial. I, they, I think if the, case, the com- if the case... I'm sorry. If the case is not worth putting in the effort to bring a jury in, it's probably not worth prosecuting. 
I remember when we were learning about about uh, law, there was many cases that just straight up didn't have uh, a jury. Like most most judicial situations don't have a jury, right? But most judicial situations aren't really. I mean, the 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 the, the punishment system for crimes committed in the United States needs an overhaul top to bottom um i think the united states probably needs an overhaul top to bottom yeah correct but i don't have the answer do you, I, so watching this do you think uh leaders in not revolutionary movements i think that's the wrong way to put it but like leaders in in protest movements do they have the same kidney beans that that these guys had or do you think that they've they've gotten soft? Or do you think these guys are soft compared to the American revolutionaries, the founding Fajas? No, I don't think anything about uh, civil rights in that era was soft. No, yeah, I straight up um, agree. Yeah, that was back when they when when they used to just assassinate people. Yeah. on both sides, whether you had people killing Martin Luther King and John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy and all these other people, or you had literally J. Edgar Hoover murdering Fred Hampton in his home. Yeah, like the FBI going in there and and killing this man on purpose. Because he was deemed to be a credible threat. Yeah. So I mean, all you need bonkers. to know, all you need to know about whether or not the the revolutionaries then were were soft is that uh, the Black Panther Party is considered a terrorist organization and the Klan is not. Yeah. Um. That's all you need to know. That's that's it. Right. That's that's it. That's enough. Info. <laughs> that's enough. And, and always, always, there's been this mentality, and it, it it goes it goes right up to the top again, right back to to Forrest Gump of trying to play the Black Panthers off as these horrifying this horrifying terrorist organization and i didn't live through it man i don't know what it was like to live in a city that had a black panther chapter i have no idea i don't know what it was like to be i I've, i will never know what it is like to be black no yeah definitely don't know um, that but i don't like i don't i don't feel oh, man i i am more terrified by the idea of the ku klux klan than i am of by the black panther party for sure 100 percent for sure um i will say the, the the they just didn't teach us about the black panther movement in schools they did teach us about the Klan and that the Klan is bad. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people learned missed that day in history class, apparently. Uh, yeah, to this apparently, day. Who'd have thunk it? To this day, yeah. God. And, and again, when you think the fact that this movie was written Two fi- years 15 ago. years ago. Oh, 15 years ago. Yeah, you were telling me that. You were telling Aaron me Sorkin that. Uh, completed the script in 2006 or 2007 to the point he where, where Heath, Heath Ledger, Ledger was attached to play Tom Hayden. Heath Ledger, who died 13 years ago. I know. And then they bring in freaking the dude from Les Mis, and he walks into the courtroom and he's like, do you hear the people sing? Yeah, uh, there was there was a, a whole laundry list of who was supposed to play who in this movie, and like, they they like, Seth Rogen quit the part of Jerry uh, Rubin like three times. Really? Yeah, it was, it was supposed to be Seth Rogen back in like 07, and then it was supposed to be Seth Rogen again in 18. He could nail that part. I'm sure he could. Yeah, but I think it's better to have somebody I don't that isn't Seth Rogen playing that part. Right. Somebody not on the on the witness stand going. Uh, 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 <laughs> I think it gets. I think it gets too. Uh, if you have if if the two guys that are the the you know the goofballs in the in the group are are Borat and Seth Rogen, I think you you start to lose the threat of the movie. Right. I think they should have gotten. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, what is her name? Helen Bonham Carter to play Ruben. But the, right? at the same time, just, at the same time, I cannot imagine anybody else alive playing Abby Hoffman. No, I know. I like you think about it. Like, who else could you get? You've got to have the hair. Yeah, only British dudes have that hair. You're missing a <laughs> sort of a key point here. So you gotta get Sasha Baron Cohen. He's yeah, you British, gotta get right? Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, he is. Yes. The accent work in this movie. I don't know what they did. I was very impressed. Um. 
I would have thought the, uh, you remember 30 Rock? Yeah. You remember yeah. they would show like, I think the character became more of a character as the show went on, but they would always show the pit and there was a guy that had like really thick glasses and was wearing a Wayne's World hat all the time. Yes. I pictured that dude in this movie as I was watching it. <laughs> Playing Abby Hoffman? <laughs> Play, no, just playing like any of them, any right? Of them, just, yeah. That's Rennie Davis now. Like, <laughs> no, you needed that McLovin looking motherfucker to play Rennie Davis. Because you had to you, you had to identify with him when he gets his shit rocked. Yeah. They definitely made him look sympathetic. Yeah. Now, I don't want to come to the defense of the Danish girl by any means. That movie was whack. Um, a lot of people don't love Eddie Redmayne for that reason. I think Eddie Redmayne is, however, a a that aside, is a f- phenomenal actor. Yeah. Um, have, you, have you seen The Theory of Everything? I have. He he won Best Actor for that. That was at, amazing. At like, at like 25. Yeah, that was awesome. Yes, he is incredible. And I, I think that he will get snubbed. Well, also aside, I don't want to ever mention Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. No, but I wouldn't say that Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald is Eddie Redmayne's fault. No, it's the... I, that's I one... <laughs> yes, this, I, I, let me take you on a brief aside. Uh, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald is the script's fault. Okay? Straight yes. up. It's a bad story. At, at Doesn't no make point, any sense. At no point is anything about those movies the fault of the actors playing those characters. Right. Those are some excellent performances turned in by everybody, top to bottom. In an awful movie. In an awful movie. Star Wars Attack of the Clones is not the script's fault. It's partially the script's it's, fault. It, Phantom Menace is the script's fault. Although, like, you can't say that name. The prequels are in now. They're in vogue. Okay, but the, the Phantom Menace is still unwatchable from a film from a film standpoint. It is. It is. It's choppy. It's gross. It's like it's not a good story. You're lost. Where are you going? Dollar Tree headset. So free for your public restroom. Eddie Redmayne has been in a bunch of movies. Yeah, and they're all well. He had a slow start, but then I'm sure he did. But then once he was in My Week with Marilyn as Colin Clark, man, he he took off. Did he? Yeah, he was all rotten except for two films, The Black Death and The Yellow Handkerchief, until My Week with Marilyn, and then he was all fresh except for two films: Fantastic Beasts, of Crimes of Grindelwald, and Jupiter Ascending. Ooh, Jupiter Ascending was bad. This is one. This is a space movie, right? Yeah, space movie where like Mila Kunis and uh, Channing Tatum. Oh yeah, this looks bad. Sean Bean. Yeah, it's it's rough. This looks like something we should watch with Maria Caloris, and I bet she freaking loves this movie. It's true. He did. He did. He's done a bunch of bangers for sure. I don't know, man. I like the costumes in this. Jupiter I mean, and again, I, I don't want to place too movie. much. People don't like it. When we place too much uh, on the Oscars. I love the Oscars and I'm I'm tired of apologizing for that. But our, our, some of our listeners don't feel the same way about the Oscars that we do and don't like when we place emphasis on him. But he did. He did get back to back best actor nominations and 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 very nearly like took it home back to back and like passed the jacket to himself. And Brilliant. at that point, he was basically just the guy from Les Mis. Eddie Redmayne? Yeah. I didn't realize that he was ever the guy from Les Mis. I guess I didn't... Like, I'm looking at it now, and obviously that's that's true. Uh, like, I, I've never seen My Week with Marilyn or Birdsong, and none of the rest of these movies he was in prior to Les Mis. Uh, but I did see... I guess Theory of Everything. Oh, I saw the other Bolin girl, but I don't... The other Bolin girl. Or Bolin? I, I always know. thought it was Bolin. Whatever. I saw that. Yeah, no, I didn't see that. Uh, I knew him. Like, when I saw him in Les Mis in 2012, I was like, oh, that's the guy from The Thing. But you didn't, though. You're well, lying obviously. to yourself. You're, I know you're that. Lying I know yourself. that. Because we saw Les Miserables. Yeah, Les Miserables. Right? And, and we saw it, and then you you did the thing with the yingling and the tiny jacket. And yeah. Oh, my God. My liver still hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we saw Les 
Misérable. You were like, James! Uh, with James! Eddie Redmayne as Marius Pontmercy. And, Do yeah. you hear the people um, sing? He was all right in that. <laughs> that movie was kind of weird. The, 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 they, they, they took the established formula for musicals, for movie musicals, which worked, and turned it upside down, and it didn't work. Uh, I cannot believe that's the first thing I saw him in. Yeah, he was like the up and comer in 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 Limiz. Limiz. I guess maybe I'm had I seen Aaron Tveit in something? Possibly. I don't think so. He wasn't much of a he was a stage guy. I know he was. That's what's throwing me off. I must have seen somebody. You saw no. Hugh Jackman. I obviously had seen Hugh Jackman <laughs> and Russell Crowe Crow. before. <laughs> Anne Hathaway, anyway, Amanda uh, Seyfried. Anyway, that being said, um, Eddie Redmayne crushed it in this movie. Sasha Baron Cohen crushed it in this movie. The guy that plays Jay Rubin crushed it in this movie. Jay Rubin has this sleeper line of this whole movie for me. Um, when somebody said that it's in the interview that they're doing with Abby and Jerry uh, right near the beginning. And one of the reporters goes, why won't Bobby Seal let anybody uh, anybody represent him? And Jerry Rubin goes, you presented that question in the form of a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good line. And it just it, it goes right by it. Yeah. Because this is very much, if you blink, you miss it. Screenwriting from from uh, from old Aaron Sorkin. I love these these classic, not classic. I love these like uh, historical adaptations because every time there's a zinger of a line, I'm sitting there. I almost have to pause it and be like, "Did the did is that true? <laughs> did he really say that, or is the screenwriter like just on his A game today?" Well, it's it's Aaron Sorkin, right? So I know he is on his A game, but like uh, Abby Hoffman on on the stand, amazing. Yeah. He's got that line, we carried certain ideas across state lines. Not machine guns or drugs or little girls, ideas. When we ideas. crossed from New York to New Jersey to Pennsylvania to Ohio to Illinois, we had certain ideas. And for that, we were gassed, beaten, arrested, and put on trial. I mean, come on. Well, and, and it's even in, in what he doesn't say when uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is interrogating him and he's like, did you come to Chicago with the intention of you know inciting police violence and he doesn't say anything and then joseph gordon levitt turns around and is like i'm concerned you have to think about it and he goes well hold on a second i've never been on trial for my thoughts before so good and he never does answer it nope there's so many good lines absolutely he he was there to incite police violence so that's where it gets a little hairy right is you're watching this and you're like i mean these guys uh, like they had the right idea but maybe the wrong execution I mean, I don't what think is the right execution. It's not even that. It, it, it's like I think what Tom Hayden says to him is true that he does not want the war to end. I yeah, don't think I, it's, lo- I don't think it's true to Abby. I like I don't think Abby would tell you that because he doesn't know it about himself. But like nobody wants to be out of a job, right? Like right. Tom doesn't want the war to end any more than Abby does. Do you think Tom Hayden doesn't want the war to end? Yeah, I don't think Abby Form or Abby Hoffman wanted the war to end either. But I don't think that they would have been able to tell you that, right? Right. I think there's this weird group of guys who discovered. They're like calling mm-hmm. in and like they loved it. Like they, these guys, I mean, they, they were mad and they were frustrated and it riled them up, obviously. And, and maybe loved it is the wrong word, but they were like very well, good at it. What is the thing that, hold on a second. I've got the quote. What is the thing that Bobby Seal says that really puts Tom on blast? Something about his daddy. Yeah. You've all got the same father, right? Cut your hair, respect authority. Don't be gay. Respect America. Respect me. Your life is a f- you to your father, right? And Tom says, maybe. And Bobby says, maybe. As you can see, and, and you can see how that's different from a rope on a tree. Yeah. And that's 100% true. And it's still true to this day. And that was the problem with 2020. So many people getting involved for the wrong reasons. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we get it. You're a dis- disenfranchised youth or whatever. You don't like the cops because 
XYZ because you because you don't like the cops, right? Because fuck 12. Right. But like for the people that are actually protesting, for so many of the people that are actually protesting, it is so much deeper. It is so much more intrinsic than that. And it's like, we, you know, for guys like Tom Hayden and, and, and Abby Hoffman, it's like, yeah, we want the war to end because that's what sells, right? Like that's the, that's the opposition. That's the counterculture. But you can't, but like you still like... It's frustrating because in order for the people that are being like truly targeted to succeed, they need allies. Yeah. They need allies who are not part of Well, that's, that's the difference between uh, between Vietnam and between 2020 is, is 2020 was a lot more cut and dry, right? Like we are protesting police violence. Right. It is not police violence because of a war protest. Right. And that was the thing is like the Vietnam protests were so much different than really anything else that we've ever seen because it didn't incite a war. In America. Right. But they were protesting no the civil war. It, it, did, it didn't start the Revolutionary War. It didn't start the Civil War. And it like it was it was nonviolent for most people. Right. But it was never nonviolent for Bobby Seale. Oh, well, he never killed that guy. He didn't. But his he was he was threatened every single day in ways that Tom Hayden and, and Abby Hoffman never were or never would have been. Right. And, and and Tom Hayden and Abby Hoffman would have still been outliers in their danger level. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like for the white protester in 1969, they were the most in danger. Not white protesters, but Tom Hayden and Abby Hoffman in that category were the most yeah. in danger. Yeah, they were leaders of different movements for sure. Right. But your average Black Panther member would have faced more danger on your average day than any of them ever would. Right. Simply because it is different. Right. And, you know, they have that whole conversation about like, do you know, do you think things would have been different if if Kennedy got the nomination and hadn't gotten shot? And they, Tom and Abby were both like, yeah, we do. Because it's just it's easy for them. Like that's the Tom says the whole thing about like, I'm in it for elections. And Abby hates that. But he's not but wrong. He's in it for elections, too. Well, I mean, <sighs> that's sort of what he reveals. He says that, that at the end. Right. You know, how do how do we peacefully over the government? And he says, well, we do it every four years. But he also is implying that that has not at any point worked. Right. And we're seeing it right now. I mean, I don't want to make it to uh, 2020 or whatever, but like we've gotten zero of what was promised in the first 100 days of the Biden administration. We're coming up on it. And we're coming up on it. And what we have gotten is bombing Syria. Right. <laughs> um. So that is like it is very much a like, hey, we did the work. We got you elected. We out here on the ground got you elected uh, at at great physical and personal costs and 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 dangers to a lot of people. But what? But like. But then and the then problem. Joe Biden turns around and does nothing and bombs Syria. What are you supposed to do in four years? Your choice are going to be the exact same. I'm not saying that we should have done anything differently. I'm saying that like I don't know, man. Like I have no, I have no idea. I don't know how to fix it. You could run. Actually, you can't. You're not old. I'm enough. not old enough. What a weird I've, problem. I've fucking smoked weed before. So, so I, Obama. Th- that'll make me ineligible. There are no, there are no good politicians. So we seem to keep learning over and over again. We seem to keep learning that. Is that like and and. I knew this was going to be the case, not as much as some people knew this was going to be the case. I figured this was going to be the case. A lot of people were telling me this was going to be the case. That like, you know, same circus, different clowns, right? It, uh, nothing changes. Things are quieter right now than they were for the last four years. Uh, yeah. There's a lot more just, there's a lot less bullshit generally going around than there were four years ago uh, after the storming of the U.S. Capitol happened. Can't believe they got away with that. I can. I mean, I can, right? Like Because the justice system is completely, irreparably, irrevocably fucked it's a weird thing man it's a weird thing that i don't i like i have no solutions none whatsoever. no i have no I idea and, and i'm and not tom my, hayden right i'm i am i'm not abby hoffman right i'm not gonna be a california senator uh no 
and I'm not going to write steal this book, right? I, I don't have that kind of mentality in me, nor nor do I honestly want to. I don't want to be a political revolutionary, right? I want the America no. that I was promised where I could- I can make podcasts and make people laugh. I can make podcasts and make people laugh and, and live in the land of the free, but the land of the free doesn't exist right now. And it's on my shoulders because nobody else in older than me is willing to take on the responsibility, let alone politicians. Yeah. I don't want to talk about politics anymore for the rest of this podcast. All right. The rest of this we episode. Can we can talk about- uh, about this movie as movie, but I'm starting to annoy, starting to get annoyed with the world, the way the world. <laughs> I, uh, I've been doing better. I, I, I've really, I, I stopped following local news outlets and that's been my key, uh, to unlocking my own personal I was doing freedom. better until today. <laughs> did you, did you watch this or? No, this, this movie honestly doesn't enrage me like that. Oh, this got me fired up. I was, I mean, it got me fired up. Sure. But it was like, <sighs> It's Texas, man. It's a reve oh, repealing Texas, of the yeah. mask mandate in Texas. Uh, it, I, this, I think, will be released next Thursday, and it's currently this Tuesday. So, like, yeah, on the day we're recording this, the mask mandate was re repealed in Texas. Everything in Texas is 100% open starting Wednesday or whatever. Um, and now it's going to be every to, Yeah, to the listeners of Bacon and Eggs in Texas, I'm so sorry that... that our country and your state has failed you this way. Um, I have a lot of friends down there that I'm worried about now. And like, there's this weird thing where you can't be like, well, just come here. Right. Because it's... Because then you're bringing it here. Yeah. It's just... Oh, that, yeah, that, that got to me today. I'm not gonna lie to you. That took my, my uh, social capital and just tossed in the toilet. Yeah. I'm not thrilled about that. I am thrilled about vaccines doing better, not in Texas, but people getting them. Yeah, people if you have are the opportunity, getting get them. it. Yes, I I don't think we're there yet. No, but if you do have the yeah. opportunity to get it, get it. Yes, absolutely. Um, please, yeah, please get the vaccine. Please get the vaccine figured out. I Johnson and Johnson coming out with theirs is going to be fantastic. Um, one shot dose, get I believe, uh, and they're they're going to have like a hundred million by the end of the month or something. That's awesome. Or next month, I don't know. A lot of them. I'm rocking <sighs> Pfizer. Just get the damn thing. Um. It's going to be tough in some precincts for sure. Uh, a lot of people even here are facing issues. The systems are broken because they were never designed or are freshly designed or we're not supposed to work this way. But if if you can fight for your opportunity, please get the vaccine. Um, then we can focus on the non-believers. No more politics. Rest of the podcast. Yeah, that worked so well. <laughs> Well, because I, I said no more politics. You immediately went to, yeah, I know I was doing better on the politics front. And, <laughs> and you got me started talking uh, about Texas. I love this movie a lot. Um, this is, I think, the best movie I've seen since Parasite. I don't know that it's the best I've seen since Parasite. I actually, as I was watching it, I was like, man, Ethan said that this was something special. And I was like, I mean, it's good, but it's going for a certain level of like quippy that I don't think it quite achieves. And I, I like... I, I don't have uh, 96 is not a low score by any measure. That's about as good as it gets. Yeah. But like, I, I think this is another one of those situations where I run into these movies a lot where I'm expecting a sort of quippy nature similar to like baby driver or oceans 11. It's just like, isn't possible in this context, but it's, it's what I'm hoping for going into it and not what I get coming out of it. And that's the entire four points off for me. See, this scratches uh, the itch in my brain the same way that other Aaron Sorkin properties do, namely the social network. This is not as good as the social network. No, it's me. not as good as social network. It does not replace that in my mind. It, it makes me want to watch the social network more. Yeah. But I also just haven't seen that many great movies since we saw Parasite last year. Parasite is amazing. That's um, one of those ones where it crosses the genre and crosses the language barrier and it doesn't bother me in the slightest not at all yeah i think the the second viewing of mank 
is going to beat this one for me, though. I've not seen Mank. Um, that is a whole different level of a whole different category of filmmaking, right? Because uh, it, first of all, it's Gary Oldman. Um, Gary Oldman is not to be try not to be trifled with in any way. No. Um, it is about the screenwriter that wrote Citizen Kane. I feel like I should watch Citizen Kane first. You should definitely watch Citizen Kane first. Although I don't think you have to, though. It'll just be like there will be it'll be slightly referentially lost on you. Well, like that's how uh, Saving Mr. Banks was, and uh, yes. I don't I don't know if. I I liked it better after seeing Mary Poppins or not. Well, the difference between this and Saving Mr. Banks is it's good. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> I saw that coming a mile away. <laughs> uh, it's like it's like well written and and well shot, but it is also like they are going for not overt references so much as like if you laid them over top of each other, you would see parallels physically see parallels and hear parallels oh. and it's just crazy writing and like uh it, it activates that part of my brain that listening to a really good cover song does oh the same like the same thing with the first ep a few episodes of wandavision right where you're seeing something that's clearly i mean parody is the wrong word because it's not supposed to be well in, in case of wandavision it is but it's not supposed to necessarily be comedy it is just like right it it's is supposed to be hit the lights plays more than a feeling right right Yes. It is You're supposed like, to be for yes. all those sleeping doing You Belong With Me. That version rips. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a like a really good cover song that isn't like a straightforward like, hey, I'm just a I'm I'm a dude that sang this girl song. Like it is like it is going for something different, but you can feel the original song good. And so that's the kind of right. it's the kind of movie that scratches that part of my brain. Um, the theme song to As Told by Ginger once told me that someone once told me the grass is much greener on the other side. Well, I paid a visit and it's possible I missed it. It seemed different yet exactly, exactly the same. Exactly the same, yeah. Till further notice. Till further notice. I'm in between. I'm in between. From where I'm standing. From where I'm standing. My grass is green. Shoot. Do 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 do. It yeah. goes into my girl there. That's what happens. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, this you is should, a week two in a row of my girl on Big Eggs. Uh, <laughs> it is not week two in a row. Was that two weeks ago? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. I wrote my girl. That's the that's the takeaway here. That was our first bacon and eggs on video episode. Oh, this will be so number that was four. Like three weeks ago. Yeah, um, I feel like last week everybody was like, "You should have Ini Fuenmayor on the show every week." To How cover sucks. to cover uh, a Wes Anderson movie. You're gonna run out when I have this baby, so I'm trying to get ahead. We're, we're gonna run out pretty quickly. Yeah, there's there's like eight. <laughs> <laughs> we could cover, uh, I believe, every Wes Anderson movie and every Tarantino movie, and still not hit the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> we should just do the MCU again. <sighs> I think that's what's going to have to happen when Falcon Winter Soldier isn't that good and we've promised Marvel Mondays. <laughs> like, okay, well, here's phase two. Enjoy. Yep. 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 Although I will say that WandaVision has has made me really want to watch Iron Man. Iron Man? Yeah, I don't know why. Because we we talked about the pro the possibility of recovering Iron Man on the show. You and I did. Uh-huh. To, to really, like, give it a go for the video. And I still think we should do that at some point. Um, and, then, and then I started getting a bunch of Iron Man TikToks. And now I'm just like, I want to watch Iron Man really badly. Iron slaps. I keep Proof getting... that Tony Stark has a heart. Yeah, I keep getting... Uh, Tony Stark built this in a cave TikToks. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, you should watch Mank. You should also watch Citizen Kane. Great movie. Both great movies. You, as long as we're recommending classics and non-classics that people should watch and read, everyone should read The Catcher in the Rye. We this said that like, for most of the episode last week. Coming to you again with my copy of Catcher in the Rye, which is now right here in my hand. I've highlighted one thing in this whole book. It was for a tweet. It was for right a tweet. Here. I was wondering if you, if you went and highlighted it or if it was already highlighted. 
I actually, and then you can see at the top of the page, I highlighted something uh, to make sure that the highlighter worked. Nice. Yep. What's the highlighted quote? Uh, it is, that's something else that gives me a royal pain. I mean, if you're good at writing compositions and somebody starts talking about commas, Stradlatter was always doing that. He wanted you to think the only reason he was lousy at writing compositions was that because he stuck all the commas in the wrong place. He was a little bit like Ackley that way. And he puts a comma after Ackley in the wrong place. That's Stradletter. You know, I told That's him Strad I told Letter. him he was a goddamn moron. I really did. I really did. <laughs> and you know, I don't know what came over me. I just started horsing around. Sometimes <laughs> when I'm just bored, I start horsing around. He didn't like really the way do. I was horsing around. I really didn't. <laughs> oh, the book just makes me, I don't want to say smile, but like, oh, smile. Man, so I read, uh, I read a Jesse Eisenberg book this week. Yeah. Speaking of of Aaron Sorkin tangentially via the social network to Jesse Eisenberg, uh, I read Jesse Eisenberg's book that was narrated by Jesse Eisenberg and Finn Wolfhard and some other person. And I I think if somebody put Jesse Eisenberg and Finn Wolfhard in a room, I'd be like, oh, there's a mirror in there. No, I don't think you would. I I think I I mean I don't think you would. They don't look anything alike. Yeah, I think I'd be like, oh, look at that. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg is with his son. And the well, other Jesse father. Eisenberg, Finn Wolfhard does play Jesse Eisenberg's son in the book, <laughs> but it is like it is th- ostensibly the. Uh, video recordings of or the audio recordings of uh finn wolfhard jesse eisenberg's son uh in in like counseling in 2032 and they it is like the 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 language that he uses is so like absurdly every word is is different like all the the adjectives and stuff are like way different from what we use to the point where I felt like I was reading Catching the Ride just because of like how overused these like different words were. I was horsing around. I really was. I really was. <laughs> and so the kids like, you know, oh man, I really, you know, we, we just wanted to go out together that weekend. It was going to be Terra Lift. What? So what does that mean? Lift is good and Terra is like very. Oh, so he's like, he's like assuming slang that will approach, yes, like, like assume, will arise. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hate that. It was, it was jarring for sure. It's fetch. It's so fetch. Um, and I think it's supposed to be, you know, absurd right. that we will change, that we will lose the word for cool sometime in the next 10 years. We lose the word for cool like every three months. Yeah, but like... Y- you have a lit neon behind you. Okay, but like, I don't, wouldn't say it eight times a sentence, right? Like, this was, this was pervasive grammar, not like, um, not like casual. It was like, like, you lost the word for for cool completely you lost the word for good completely oh i see like nothing was cool it was all lift everything was lift. everything was lift like i might say like oh bro that's rad but i'm not gonna be like you know it was so rad that he thought i was rad that she was rad on the on the topic of rad we we crossed our political lines this episode when i was a kid and they would say that uh people were radical christians i truthfully thought that meant they were like christians who skateboarded <laughs> radical bro radical <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the the definitely the, the one thing I will say is that it is definitely the position of the U.S. educational system that hippies were a bad thing, and this movie disagrees with that premise entirely. Yes, uh, I think you could make a movie that agrees that hippies are a bad thing. Uh, I wouldn't be about it, but I think that like it's very easy to remember that like there's a perspective here, and this is very heavily biased in yeah. favor of the defendants here. Well, it's like, <laughs> and like you may be able to look at the story when it's heavily biased in favor of the the with the plaintiff. What is the person attacking the defendants? called the plaintiff yeah plaintiffs yeah and still agree with the defendants but it's, it's and not I the think plaintiffs it's the prosecution prosecution yeah uh it's not a lawsuit this is like but like there there could easily be made a film that paints these seven men as terrorists in just the worst yeah. yeah in the worst light which is why i think that that there actually was a i mean and it is true that the justice department 
denied to retry the case. Like, that is facts. Like they, denied to retry the case because because the first case was so bad. Because like, I think they realized so that that they had no justification. Right. That the first case was just a, a a complete sham. They had to manipulate the jury pool and like pretend to be the Black Panthers to threaten the jury just to win and to le- leave out evidence just to win. Right. So the same Justice Department uh dis- denied retrying the case after they won the appeal. So that is true. Like like it definitely. I don't think there is a story where you paint these guys as evil because of that. Yeah. Like yeah, had they I think ended up sure. going to jail, I think there's a different story there. But that there is there's sort think, of one I think story you could here. Even I think you could even write write that into your credits of like, and then five years later, these jackasses got off scot-free. They didn't even retry the case because some evidence was thrown out. No, yeah, see, I don't think... Watch I, Tanya and side with Tanya Harding at the end of it, and you'll be like, yeah, you can sell me on anything. I have no desire to watch I, Tanya for that reason. Tanya Harding was terrible. She didn't do it. Yes, she did. No, watch I, Tanya. You'll be like, oh, yeah, no, she was a victim here. I mean, she wasn't the victim. Nancy Kerrigan definitely was. Uh, but she was a victim. <laughs> Remember when B.O.B. said, I'm a hitter with that pipe, call that Nancy Kerrigan? Oh, the song God. Strange Clouds. <laughs> the same Nancy song Kerrigan. where he said, after Strange Clouds, I'm going to drop my rock album, and I'm still waiting for that. It has been probably 10 like years at this point. 15 years, yeah. Not 15. <laughs> we were in college. I thought it was 08. When Strange Clouds <laughs> came out? No way. I thought so. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but I feel like we talked about Strange Clouds on the on the walk from the May 1st, soccer fields. May 1st, 2012. Okay, I was wrong. Talking about BLB, I think on the- The first I album came out in, in, in 10, 2010. All I know is one day we were at band and we were facing the, the, the hill that Q could stand on. Yeah. And we left to go get water. And as we were walking to the water pitchers from that side of the hill, we were talking about B.O.B. That's all I know. We're talking about that that Nothing On You featuring Bruno Mars song. Might have been. Remember I remember I was listening to K92 at like one in the morning while I was driving one time and they were like, we got a brand new song. Yeah, you and I were in from- the car together. No, no, not for not for that one. This is a different one. Because uh, they were like, we got a brand new song from, I can't remember who sings it now. And it was Billionaire. Oh, and I was yeah. like, this slaps. Yeah, Travi McCoy. This, and Travi McCoy. And, I think it was B.O.B., right? No, it was Travi McCoy and Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was like, this is going everywhere. Yeah. No, but you and I were in the car together when we first heard. It was the same deal. It was like one o'clock in the morning. Like we got a new up and comer named Bruno Mars. Yeah. On this track with, with Bobby Ray Simmons, B.O.B. Yeah. And it was like, whoa. Whoa. Music. Not, not, no, you, babe. And I'm willing to bet that wasn't the first time they played the song. But I remember hearing that and being like, I, I am witnessing history right now. Those first two B.O.B. albums were incredible. Yeah. Everything he's done since then has been terrible, with the exception of the song Headbands, which is still terrible. Nah, man. I I can't even sing it because... There's so many words that you can't <laughs> say with preschool toys present. Oh, man. Oh, man. I just remember that's the song where where Two Chains uh, says that like Black on Twenty Eights remind me of February day you can fuck with me that'll be never that'll be never worry dead ass rapper should have came with a cemetery you gotta stop there you gotta stop right there because <laughs> <laughs> it gets it gets bad from there you cannot say those words anymore <laughs> well, you you could never say that one word either. <laughs> No, not anymore. Like in the song, like like. <laughs> oh, I see. You, that's when you run out of words that you're allowed to say, right? Right. <laughs> I love those those TikToks though. That's like, oh, you're a big Kanye West fan. Who was in Paris? Who? Tell me. <laughs> Tell me. There's this is something that I think people don't get. I was on uh, TikTok today and I saw somebody commenting about about the the gentleman in Paris. And <laughs> the gentleman, the fellas, the fella, the boys, the, the fellas in Paris. 
Uh, and they were like, I could tell from the comments, just the context they were giving, that they thought that was the only song that quote was originally about, the uh, Blades of Glory quote. Oh, no. Was, but My Humps by, by Black Eyed Peas. Was it? I don't remember. I've seen Blades of Glory in so long. Oh, yeah. My Humps. Is that the song that what does that mean? Nobody knows what that means, but it's provocative. It gets, gets the, the people, people going. going. We're going to skate to one song and one song only. Yeah, it was My Humps by the Black Eyed Peas. You want to talk about a song that rips? Miserloo. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. No, I was, no, I was talking about the, the, the fellows in Paris. <laughs> oh, man. We didn't talk about this last week. I think we should circle back to uh, No Church in the Wild. Quick. No Church in the Wild. Not only was No Church in the Wild in The Great Gatsby, but also these drone shots of Manhattan. I don't know why. When I picture Manhattan prior to 2001, it is not shaped that way. I know that that is obviously not the case, but it's like, whoa. <laughs> I forgot Manhattan looked like this in the early 20s. Like the island yeah, was the, the shape island was the, the whole same, time. Yeah. I don't know. I that, that always is like a, such a happy moment in Gatsby where it's like this piece of geography feels oddly recent to me. Am I the only one that feels this way? Uh, probably. Okay. Well, if there are any listeners out there who are like, oh, wow, like I was where 1929 looks like a Casey Neistat video from 2018, we can fist bump on that. Watch the Throne was such an underrated album. I mean, it was pretty oh, rated. It was, but it like, was pretty, it, pretty adequately of, because rated. Of, because of the fellows in Paris. I, there's a lot of slept on tracks on that song, or that album is what I'm saying. Because that's where No Church in the Wild comes from. Yeah. Kanye what West, about the music in this Jay-Z, movie? and... This was a great opportunity for Kanye West and Jay-Z, and they didn't use any. Yeah, music was uh, forgettable in this movie, honestly. Yeah. It's the only mu- Vietnam movie ever to not feature Fortunate Son, I believe. I'm, I'm done with Fortunate Son for Vietnam. I really I'm am. Not, I, those, those TikTok memes are so <laughs> funny. It's so funny. It gets me every time. But the dudes, like the dudes show up with the bucket hat and the pit vipers and the song starts playing. Would you wear pit vipers? Hell yeah, I'd wear pit vipers. How expensive are they? Uh, like a hundred bucks. Oh, so you could, in theory, just get them. Yeah, I've thought about buying a pair to wear on this this video call. <laughs> just show up one week. I mean, this would have been the week to do it, but we're talking about Vietnam. <laughs> Yeah, no fortune, no, son. Didn't. Uh, no, um, oh, so that one song. Hang on, Buffalo Springfield. I don't know what's called. That's always in the Vietnam movies. Yeah. I keep yawning. No fortune, I son. know. I know already. People are going to be like, "Oh, this is one of the episodes I listen to when I fall asleep because I want to listen to Tyler Ethan's political commentary and Tyler yawning ten times." <laughs> uh, uh, how much trouble do you think we get in if we just change the intro music to No Church in the Wild? A lot. A lot because we put these on YouTube now. Yeah. Yeah. They they would notice immediately. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. In fact, like they would, we would get a a handwritten letter from Jay's and Connie and it would be like, you can't use No Church in the Wild. Dude, I cannot wait for this new Kanye West album to come out. Really? This, this divorced Kanye album. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's going to be incredible. I'm excited for you. I want you to live your truth. Dude did all... Uh, Kanye West, as an unpopular opinion, I know, amongst it the... It is not an unpopular... Uh, maybe with our audience. Yeah, that's but. what I'm saying. Amongst the young crowd. <laughs> I will never not love Kanye West, man. That dude has put out... Because he did all of his, like, radio music, like, pre-2010, right? Yeah. Did, you know, late registration, graduation, and all those albums. And then was just like, you know what? 
I'm gonna make like art rap now. Like I make I make avant-garde rap now and has only put out heaters since then. They put out heaters before then. I mean, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. But a lot of people will be like, oh man, like Kanye West got bad with that. My beautiful this is, this is what people who like rap do every time this conversation starts. Oh, you like Kanye West? What? Kendrick Lamar. I love Kendrick Lamar. Do you, do you even do you even listen to Kendrick Lamar? I do. Name every Kendrick Lamar song. I can't. I couldn't name a single one. I who is Kendrick Lamar? I weirdly yeah, if people enter this conversation and they're like, Man, I love Drake, I love Kanye West, I love Jay Z, I love I don't these are the rappers I know. Drake has only ever put out heaters, by the way. Uh Drake has only ever put out heaters. Okay. I just want to make that clear. Drake gets a lot of hate these days. Drake has reached that point in his career where people think it's like funny to not like Drake. Drake has only put out bangers ever. Like there is not a bad Drake album. Awesome 16. That wasn't even on an album and that song rips. I thought that was the name of the album. No, that's just like a loose single. Ah. It was like a, like a, like a Steph Curry hype song. I'm pretty sure. Your Steph Curry in 2016 was the best Steph Curry. Yeah, I know this because I've seen I've seen basketball. Steph Curry passes prime. Drake not past his prime. No, I like it when Drake goes to basketball games. Anyway, uh, Kanye West new album whenever it comes out with the with the new like not that I pr- not that I'm happy that Kanye West is sad, but like from- Kanye West's happiness does not affect me. But yeah, Kanye West's happiness does not affect me. I just like generally people put better music out when they're sad. Yeah. Um. That is sort of the the uh, the premise of art. Also, people talk about how and, and, and you know I I don't want to talk too much about the the 2013 Grammys. Uh, I know that's where the conversation was going, obviously, but. I wasn't gonna bring it up. Like the heist by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis is a fantastic album, and I know a lot of people hate that it won the Grammy that year, but it's a fantastic album. All right, white boy. I mean, I have no problem saying that. I like Jesus a lot. I also like the heist. Heist is a great album. You you never been in a the in heist a was better than Magna Carta Holy Grail by Jay Z. Heist was a fantastic album. Maybe not today. Would would I say that? No, I listened to it last week. It holds up completely. Yeah, yeah. That's a ripper of an album. But I think we need to wrap this show, Ethan. I really do. All right. I really do. You really do. I really, I, I really I do. I told him. <laughs> oh my All right. god. So, so wrap it, man. Oh, we need a score. We need scores. Yeah. Need scores. I'm pulling up drive.google.com right now. Uh, wrong one. It's a pronounced Google. Google. Michael Google. Wow. We just said that at the same time. It's not even funny. That's the part that makes me so mad about the joke we just made. It said it's not even kind of funny. You ever test a joke and people are like, that joke's not funny. What's what did you give this? 87. 87? Sorry, 97. No, you, yeah, I was like, nah. Stop asking me questions uh, while I'm adding up scores. All right. Going over scores while Ethan goes over scores. I gave it a 96, which is 25% of our final score. Ethan gave it a 97, which is 25% of our final score. Rotten Tomatoes Critics gave it a 90, which is 15% of our final score. Metacritic gave it a 77, which is 5% of our final score. Listener score, we are still waiting on. And Rotten Tomatoes Audience is 5% of our final score with 91. Ethan, are you ready for the listener score? No, I'm not. Well, while he's working on that, going over the top of our list, my best guess is this is going to fall in the top five somewhere, uh, which is currently It's a Wonderful Life with a 97, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with a 94, Lord of the Rings The Return of the King with a 94, Lord of the Rings The Two Towers with a 92, and Lord of the Rings The Fellowship of the Ring with an 88. That gap right there is what I think we're going to close, but it could be even higher than that between Two Towers and Return of the King. I really don't know what our audience thinks. I know from uh, just sort of like a brief view, I saw that the audience had pretty good feelings about this movie. I will read you now some reviews from our listeners because we do promise that every week. And if you want your review in the show, just head on over 
to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs and you can submit reviews on our discord server i have a review here from classic casein is a 91 out of 100 he says sorkin as usual takes the word fact as a subjective term but overall it's carried by his ability to just nail a courtroom drama sorkin is without a doubt the best historical drama screenplay screenplay writer of our time uh and then uh ines Fomayor says 92 out of 100 sasha bear cohen and eddie redmayne are chef's kiss uh, i have a listener I, score okay uh, i did something wrong to begin with because my first listener score was 171 out of 100 <laughs> and it can't be that so um the listener score is a 90 89.69 okay that brings us 92.65 which rounds up to a 93 which does close this is our first break in the lord of the rings it's between return of the king and two towers heck yeah it is it should be higher than return of the king but that's fine well I think uh, Fellowship should be higher than Return of the King. So. But it shouldn't. It drags. <laughs> but like, I don't feel that way because I love it. Okay, but it's an hour too long. This changes our top 10. We now have a top 10 of number one, It's a Wonderful Life. Number two, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Number three, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Number four, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Number five, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Number six, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Seven, Groundhog Day. Eight, Hercules. Nine, War Games. Ten, Isle of Dogs. Neat. Our graphics are by Vaishan Brandon. Uh, graphite.vmb on instagram our music is by andrew scott bell andrew scott bell music.com uh, if you have any questions comments for the show join our facebook group facebook.com slash search bacon and eggs fans or there's a link in the description if you want to support us on patreon go to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs and give us your money so we can help make the show better but also you get cool stuff like the hash browns and access to unedited episodes which are going up pretty early since we're ahead right now so that's a fun 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 thing that you get to be involved in anyway yeah, it's like two weeks in advance it's like two weeks in advance anyway i've been Ethan angelis with tyler carlin until next time or even no wait we have to do a plug i know we did not do that at the beginning i got so I used know. to doing that at the beginning that i forgot <laughs> This show is brought to you by WBNE. Uh, WBNE is a podcast network dedicated to uh, really founding a community among creators and among listeners, and it's com- almost entirely audience supported. Uh, and we have a bunch of great shows this week. I do want to highlight "Late to the Party." Uh, it is a fantastic show where Ethan, my co-host here, does original music, and Jordan Balky is our dungeon master. It's a real play uh, Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition podcast, uh, and you can listen to a preview for it right here. Welcome to the city of Miami, the magic city. Lily, get down from there. You're going to get hurt. Hey, Alexa, play Thunder by Imagine Dragons. Hey, nice moves, kid. But uh, let's see how the old man swings with his daddy hammer here. Oh, God, please let this work, 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 work. What did I miss? Late to the Party, available every other Monday, wherever you get your podcasts, or on WBNE.org. I'm also on it. I do do a character as well. Yes, I have a character in canon, but I've never been on it. Fair. Anyway, I've been Ethan Ashley's uh, Tyler Carl. Until next time, Arrivederci! Abby Hoffman says... 
1861, Lincoln said in his inaugural address, when the people shall grow weary of their constitutional right to amend their government, they shall exert the revolutionary right to dismember and overthrow that government. And if Lincoln had given that speech in Lincoln Park last summer, he'd be put on trial with the rest of us. This has been a WBNE production. For more great shows, visit WBNE.org.